We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Pollock sends one into right. It looks deep in the alley and gone! A.J. Pollock has just tied this ballgame. With home run number 14. Lifted in the right field, and it's a two-run shot, three to three. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Is that Comcast Sportsnet, Caesar? Comcast Sportsnet Chicago, the highlight of AJ Pollock hitting his leaves him only one home run behind Aber Pujols in the month of September even though he's eight years younger. All right. Welcome and welcome back. Saturday suckage. Of course, that's the way Saturday suckage goes. I suck so you don't have to. I'm broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. My phone number, 312-644-6767. Actually, that's our phone number, the Score's phone number. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the Scores Tech Zone. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. This reminder, Bears Mondays, Bears Mondays this season are presented by Horizon Therapeutics. And on Saturday Suckage, I always like to bring on, when talking about the sucking that's going on in baseball in this town we go to the score hotline presented by circa resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book and welcome in our longtime deluxe baseball guest mark gonzalez contributor to the sun times gonzo how are you gonzo i've been better but i guess a lot of people can say that around here right yeah, well, Sox lost to the Tigers 5-3. to three. They're eight games behind the Guardians, but I think we can all agree this is the easy part of their schedule, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, even though they scored, what, three runs uh, or fewer for the 74th time in 151 games? Wow, there's a stat for you here. I got one for you. Let's trade these things. The White Sox are 500 in August and September. So are the Cubs. The Cubs are 500 in August, September. Now, the Cubs weren't trying to win. Apparently, neither were the White Sox. <laughs> Cubs didn't spend money. They didn't make any big moves. They didn't, try to, they didn't try to go all out, and neither did the White Sox. Did that matter? What mattered? I, I guess everything mattered when you fail 
so completely and organizationally and have so many people making excuses and and you have so many people trying to to cape for your failures a dysfunctional organization from the top down in my view the owner gelded the gm rick hans plums were placed in a in a blind trust until tony larusa leaves and you had a team that was the direct opposite of the team that's going to win the division. That's the way I looked at it. But so many things went into this, and I know we can say everything. If you were to rate them where priority, if you were to rate the failures, the greatest percentage of failure belongs to which part, second greatest, how would you lay it out? All of them. I mean, I can't, I can't weigh one heavier than the others because – it starts at the top and it goes to the, the clubhouse. Uh, everybody's in this together. I don't think you can single out one one particular category because it, it has a trickle-down effect. You know, there's checks and balances in a lot of these cases. Uh, you know, we could start at the top with the, the bad contract signings and then uh, go to some de- decisions, some trades that weren't panning out. Then we can look at some problems from last year that weren't corrected. I'll be specific on this one. You know, uh, opponents were stealing bases like crazy last year, and it was more of the same that cost them the game uh, last night. So there's that, and then there's this failures uh, with the guys that that were expected to, to carry the torch for this team that didn't step up. So there you have it. Well, I, you know, I one of the things that Sox fans saw this week, and let me go. I mean, Johnny Cueto admitted, and 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 it, it was such a such a damning indictment of the team playing behind him and around him. He was talking about the Guardians, saying they run and they hustle, they play hard, and they put the ball in play. You wouldn't say any of that about the White Sox. Now, whose fault is that? In whatever order you want to put it in terms of putting the ball in play well just 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 playing baseball i mean one of the things the indians do the indians i'm sorry the guardians do what they do is they play baseball they play complete baseball they're playing they're taking advantage of every advantage here they they are not there's an arrogance about the white Sox. we were built to hit home runs there's an arrogance about yohan moncada i can take three steps i don't have to get jose rosario i don't there's an arrogance about the white Sox that there may be an arrogance about a team that doesn't run the bases smartly. There's an arrogance about a team that did not get better and maybe even worse defensively. There's an arrogance. You can conclude. I can conclude. There's an arrogance unearned about this team that might even take in pregame rituals, keeping yourselves in shape, getting yourself. We don't have to do this. We won the division. We're the White Sox. You know, that's the way it seems from the outside. There's probably a more human feeling you have from being down there. So share that. Your eyes aren't lying. And the one thing they're going to have to address, and it's a very tough one, is uh, retooling or shaking up the roster. The problem is there's so many guys with uh, contracts with robust salaries. How do you go about doing that? Um, They don't eat money too often. Uh, Dallas Keuchel being the exception uh, to the role of the past, you know, 10 years or so. But I will tell you, Eleven years ago, a wise scout once looked at the at the White Sox preparing for a game, taking batting practice, and all that, and he says, uh, "These guys are too comfortable. Oh. Um, they really they really haven't made that 
big trade, moving a big ticket guy that has shaken, put everybody on notice. And I think that's what they're going to have to do for starters. And, and the problem is, how do you move the freight on some of these guys who have been unproductive and sell, sell these guys low? Sometimes you have to cut your losses. But, you know, going back to the Keiko thing, that was, what, about 11, 11 $12 million they had to eat on that for the balance of his season salary? Um, that's what they're faced with. My guest is Mark Gonzalez, contributor to the Sun-Times, deluxe baseball guest, longtime baseball observer. Well, what you're saying is they need Kirk Gibson. They need a Kirk Gibson. They need that guy to change the to, – to, to make them uncomfortable. And the problem with that is it's harder for a guy coming in from the outside to do that. And the guy's most capable of doing that. If you would – if I'm looking from the outside, Liam Hendricks is one of those guys. Pitchers can't do it. It was always a, said to be a problem with the Cubs is that everybody wanted Kerry Wood to be the big, tough Texan, and he's a pitcher, and he can't do that. You can't be that guy five days a week. And and when they when Mark Grace tried to do it, the team traded him. They decided to turn the locker room, the dressing room, clubhouse over to Sammy Sosa. So where is that? They're not – they're not changing the game. They got to change those players. So who yeah, would you change? And, and it's it's tough. I I think you have to uh, cut your losses in some ways. In this instance, you, you just have to. You put yourself in a corner and just say, "Hey, this ain't working. Um, we're gonna have to rearrange the furniture." You got to be careful. Not so much who you take away the keys to the house and the car, but who you give it to. I'll give you an example uh, with the twins. Um, they really lost Nelson Cruz in that clubhouse more than they thought. And so he pretty much gave it to uh, Correa, who's a terrific player. Uh, was very, very uh, accountable with the Astros, but um, wasn't that, that the guy, you know what I mean? He was one of many leaders on that team. So, um, and the rest of the roster's young and all that. And, you know, Correa's going to go about his business his way. And I, and I hate seeing him out because he's a terrific player. And a pretty good guy. So, getting back to your your reference, Kirk Gibson, that's spot on. I think sometimes you got to bring in a Hellraiser, and and the, the, the caution is that Hellraiser better be productive. Gibson was that year. It, everything worked out right for the Dodgers in '88, but that's an example where one guy can make a, a serious impact on a team, not just on the field, but in the clubhouse. And that six six tool which was in gibson's case making everybody accountable and if you want to add a seventh playing hurt and sucking it up you know canceling the pain making the play and not worrying about the hamstring well one of the things about what one of the things about playing hurt though gonzo is they did play hurt and they looked awful that which did not speak much of the organizational depth and and did not and 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 then you you reinforce the idea of Oh, don't run so hard to first base. That's how you keep getting hurt. Well, maybe if you were better prepared and better fit, better if you, if your pregame routine were better. I don't know where this all starts. The Sox better have an idea of where it starts. But I, if you're going to play a one-armed man like Louis Robert appears to be, that's baseball malpractice. Get somebody out, out who's who's out there. It's not. It's not that I don't want them to play hurt. I want them to understand every part of baseball that it takes to succeed. It's not, and they, they seem so focused. We're just going to hit home runs. Cleveland doesn't hit home runs. 
Cleveland can, but they don't. And then you see what Cleveland does. They play great defense. They're winning games in every little area because that's what they can do, and that's a team-wide mentality. And, you know, it actually came from the manager. You could argue the Sox manager was one who didn't stress base running, didn't stress, stress defense, didn't make them do anything except pull back on whatever hustling down to first base. Well, I think, I think you referred to the big issue earlier, and that's lack of organizational depth. And what drove me nuts about this organization is the fact, not just this year, but going back to maybe 16, 70 years, is they've been willing to play shorthanded and, and not having that guy that they can come up and, and uh, give them a, a spark for five, ten games while that, that star is, is healing on the I.L., um, they've just been willing to, to play shorthand. I'm not just trying to uh, blame this current this current team, this current regime, but it's gone back to when you know Jermaine Dye had, had a bad leg, I think a hamstring pull or something like that in 2007, and they weren't going to call up Brian Anderson or Ryan Sweeney. Now that was a lost season anyway, but it, you know you want to have your manager have all those players at his disposal that are healthy and not have to play shorthanded. It just makes it tough. Clark Gonzalez is my guest, contributor to the Chicago Sun-Times, deluxe baseball guest here on The Score. So who would you who would you remove from that clubhouse that they always want to tell you about, you know, kumbaya in there? Who would you remove? Well, the, the, the big issue is, you know, moving salaries right now. And, uh, you know, Mercado's got two years left. Grandal's got uh, one year left, and I think $18.25 million. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a tough one. You know, in fairness to those guys, they were hurt this year, but um, they still didn't produce uh, when they were healthy. So that's that's a tough one there. Um, you know, you can you can assume they're going to pick up the option on, on Tim Anderson. He's he's a bargain, but uh, he's still not going to be on the field more. Uh, they got to resolve the uh, the situation with the uh, the two first baseman or the, or the or the two the two young power hitters who. Um, probably best suited for first base, although I'll give I'll, I'll give uh, some more wiggle room to, to Vaughn and Sheets out there. But, you know, that's kind of a problem. And they, But they definitely need to add some left-handed hitting. That's been a big void for a long time. Mark Gonzalez is my guest on the score. Um, we were in, in tracking the, the Twitterverse last night when Albert Pujols hit number 699 and 700 in Doyer Stadium. And Bernie Miklas had tweeted out talking about number one. You, and he was, he was there for the Cardinals. You were there covering the Diamondbacks, right? You had, it suddenly right. jogged your memory. You saw the first homer Albert Pujols hit. Wasn't as big a deal for a Diamondback guy, was it? No, but I just remember the hoopla. This guy went, came from Class A, all of the majors, and everybody's wondering, you know, what, what are the Cardinals doing? They might rush this guy too much and, and uh, stun his growth eventually, but he never went into a slump. Um, he just developed. He was the man. He took over because McGuire was banged up that last year, and uh, Pujols just stepped in seamlessly for rookie and, and just took off. And then later he had an elbow issue, but Tony put him in left field. He didn't seem to uh, affect his hitting at all, and um, it was just a, a marvelous ascent in a short time. And uh, the bat was so quick, he never looked overmatched. I think that was the big thing. Big takeaway for me uh, watching him in his rookie year. 
We lose Gonzo? I'm here. Oh, okay. I don't know. The biggest takeaway from you was, I don't know, maybe a crowd. He never looked here. overmatched. He yeah. never looked overmatched for a, a guy that young, which is uh, quite quite a feat because uh, there are a lot of uh, dudes pitching in that day. I mean, the Randy Johnsons, and the Kurt Schillings, uh, Jason Schmitz, just everybody had a heavyweight pitcher back then. And so the – New life he has gained in St. Louis. And, of course, it did not take long that when somebody does this at 42, when he's a better September hitter than any White Sox player except Eloy, then you're going to get all the talk of steroids. In my world, I didn't know steroids could work that fast. If they worked, they would have done it at 40 and 41, and he wouldn't have been seemingly on his way out. This wouldn't have been like a mercy signing, and it's turned out to be – a lot more than that. So I don't know what the whispers are. What do you think when you hear stuff like that or read stuff like that? No, I mean, what? They started testing in 2004, and he's hit more than a majority of his homers since then. I mean, this guy this guy has, has stayed on the field. Uh, he's been been pretty healthy with maybe a hamstring pull or two, but um, he's definitely earned every one of those home runs he's hit. Gonzo, I appreciate your time. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Let's uh, enjoy the game tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess the Detroit, yeah. Because they're not out of it. They're still in the wild card race. They're still in the wild card race. they just got to catch Tampa and Toronto. That's it. We'll go from there. Thanks, Gonzo. Mark Gonzalez, contributor to the Sun-Times. Um, I got such a kick out of looking at it and saying, well, the Cubs aren't even really trying and they weren't going to make big moves and they're 500 in August and September. And the White Sox, well, they say they're trying, but they made no big moves and they're 500 in August and September. And Gonzo made the point of what, watch what you bring into the clubhouse, but doesn't that mean, as part of that mean, it doesn't matter what you take out because you got a bunch of guys who didn't perform when it mattered. If they're not healthy, I, I, you know, is that on them? Do they get a free pass? You can't give them a free pass. Played horrible baseball. They played stupid baseball. They played, they, they looked arrogant as an organization. They didn't have to get better defensively. They didn't have to run the bases smart. Did you guys just see Cleveland? Cleveland pants the White Sox, pants the arrogant White Sox. You can have all your elitist, change-the-game swag you want, but you're not playing baseball if you're the White Sox. All right, so I have many things I would like to cover today. And... And one of them, we will get to, we talked about the Bears quarterback earlier. I will get back to talking about the Bears quarterback. I thought Luke Getze was going to be a help. He still might be. I do not want Luke Getze to be a farce. I do not want Justin Fields to be a farce. But I keep coming back to this. I keep coming back to two reasons I think this will never work. I'll get to them. After this break, I'm Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage. Thank you, fellow Suckageers. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
these guys have been in the league for I don't know how long. Like, they know what they're doing. So, um, like, none of it's going to work, you know, if I don't trust them, if the players ourselves, if we don't trust the coaches. So, you know, we trust the coaches. We trust they know what they're doing, and we just go out there and play. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed it is. Welcome back. Welcome back to Saturday Suckers. That was Justin Fields. He's your Bears quarterback for now. Whatever lack of poise he might have in the pocket, whatever inability to find any rhythm, whatever, I don't know. He looks like a mess, a lot of it. Part of it was a monsoon. The other part of it was, what are we doing here? He's got a offensive coordinator who does have some nice nice portfolio. He's never called plays. We saw that at the goal line. I said from the start, I don't want this to be true, but I can't get away from it. I said from the start that Justin Fields has two things working against him. I don't know how irretrievable they are. One is Ryan Pace drafted him. Inexplicably, the Bears, the idiot, the, the co-clowns, George and Ted, after going all collaboration, collaboration starts with C, and that starts, that's the start of clown. And there you go. You get Ted and George letting Ryan Pace choose another quarterback. And he traded up to draft Justin Fields. Immediately, this guy's got a greater chance to fail than anything else because Ryan Pace picked him. Look at Ryan Pace's history. What does he know about quarterbacks? He knows he kept around Jay Cutler. He knows he signed Mike Lennon. He knows he traded up to draft Mitch Trubisky in one of the greatest pantsings of all time. He knows he was one of the many that would join the Chase Daniel gravy train. He signed Nick Foles. He's just, look at what Ryan Pace did. And Ryan Pace chose Justin Fields. So that's really awful. Awfuler still is, I can't shake this. May or may not be fair. He's from Ohio State. They don't do quarterbacks at Ohio State. They don't do NFL quarterbacks at Ohio State. They don't do the kind of guys that you, you don't do franchise quarterbacks. That's what the Bears needed. You make that kind of deal, you trade up. All this talk about, oh, my God, he's the second-best quarterback in the draft. And then look at a bear stolen. Look at All right. We need to do this. It's a regular bit of perspective on where Justin Fields came from, where all this training was, this franchise quarterback from Ohio State. The first Ohio State quarterback drafted in the first round. Wow, let's go back. Let's go back 40 years. Arch Leister, three TDs, 11 interceptions, and a jail term for gambling. His record, 0-6. Arch Leister, first-round quarterback out of Ohio State. This one will sound familiar to Bears fans. Mike Tomzak, not drafted. He was a free agent. 88 TDs, 106, 106 interceptions, 16,000 yards. He also played for Pittsburgh. 42-31 and 31 was his record. I know one of the things he brought to Pittsburgh was having Melnati's flown in, Melnati's and Portillo's flown in regularly to Pittsburgh. So the Yinzers, Yinzers get a good taste of that. 
1988, Ohio State quarterback. Some of these names are listed. Tom Tupa. Tom Tupa with 12 TDs, 25 interceptions. He was a punter. But he was drafted as a quarterback. Kent Graham in 92. This is one of the, maybe the only guy, after, I think he's the only Ohio State quarterback with more TDs than interceptions. Kent Graham, 12 TDs. I'm sorry, 39 TDs, 33 interceptions, 7,800 yards. Kent Graham played eight years, drafted in, in the eighth round in 92. Yeah, they, yes, kids. Ask your parents about the eighth round they used to have. In 1996, Bobby Hoying, he would come to the NFL and throw 11 TDs, throw 15 picks, 3-9-1. Bobby Hoying in 96. 1999, Joe Germain. One TD, two interceptions. He would play about two minutes. Here's one, Bears fans. You'll love this. Three TDs, six interceptions, Craig Krenzel. So not only the Bears have a history with Ohio State quarterbacks, they have a history with something that defines ineptitude at Bears quarterbacking. I'm sorry, here's the second quarterback with more TDs and interceptions. He was a wide receiver and punt returner. He's really fast, Troy Smith. Eight TDs, five interceptions, 2007. Terrell Pryor, he did everything except have more TDs than interceptions. He was drafted in 2011. 2016, Cardale Jones on the basis of what? A quarter? Zero TDs, one interception. Cardale Jones in 2016, drafted in the fourth round. And then Dwayne Haskins, 12 TDs, 14 interceptions, horrible ending. He was drafted in 2019. And then now we have Justin Fields. I just can't get away from the idea that Ohio State quarterbacks here, we've seen that. A Ryan Pace quarterbacks here, we've seen that. And I, I, I want to, I want to give texters their their due. Two one nine, Joe Burrow is technically an Ohio State quarterback. Okay, you can claim that. Go right ahead. That that'll help. Seven seven three. He is really from Georgia. So Fran Tarkington and a few others. All right. So you take that. I, you, you take that, the, the idea of you could lose Super Bowls, but at least you got to the Super Bowls. 847 Texas, Steve, are you really the epitome of all the moronic Bears fans in this city? Period. Which sounds like, oh, Steve, you are the epitome of all moronic Bear fans in this city. Thank you. Are you really going to judge this team after two games? I guess there's a reason why they call this show Saturday Suckage, because you are the host. Yes. Are you new around here? I'm not judging this team. I'm evaluating what we've seen so far. Have you seen a franchise quarterback? Maybe they're not all there. A lot of guys who would become franchise quarterbacks, Super Bowl quarterbacks, don't look so good early on. I mean, you want to look at win-loss records, Troy Aikman was 1-15. That worked out okay. I'm just telling you, there, there are two things I could not get past I could not, and I, I, I keep coming back to, Ryan Pace picked Justin Fields, and Justin Fields is an Ohio State quarterback. Maybe he can change all of that. That is what a franchise quarterback does. 
The Bears had a franchise quarterback, and as long as Lonzo Ball was healthy, they were the best team in, in the East. And he wasn't healthy, and they plummeted precipitously. He won't be healthy to start the season. How bad is this Bulls team now? Talk to Cody Westerland, find out. Welcome to Saturday Suckage, you people who want to compare me with the most moronic of Bears fans. That's what we do here at Saturday Suckage. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being new around here. We hope to indoctrinate you completely. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome and welcome back. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. We're going to the Score Hotline, presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and welcoming back to the show, man who covers the Bulls for the Score. His name is Cody Westerland. Cody, thanks for joining me. How much are the Bulls going to suck now? Well, more than last year, I think, Steve, to keep the... uh... (laughs) The theme going here, certainly. Lonzo Ball's knee health is a massive concern. And uh, you're looking at a team that finished sixth in the East last year, didn't do a bunch in free agency, and now uh, one of their key contributors. We have no idea when he'll come back. One of the reasons they only finished, they finished as high as sixth instead of worrying about the play-ins is that Lonzo Ball and, and, and Caruso were – seemingly able to make up for the defensive defensive deficiencies for a lot of their teammates as well as be effective and certainly Lonzo Ball was was a wonderful quarterback offensively so i think we should with him not starting out in training camp not knowing how long he will be out let's address running the offense more efficiently than just DeRozan's two point shots how do you see this playing out with the the personnel they have likely have available for game one on yeah it's interesting right because now the biggest question as the bulls gather for for media day monday and start practice tuesday is who will start at the point guard spot if we're viewing their immediate um status through a basketball prism and like you said like i think there's three options here right you can go goran dragic the veteran point guard signed on a minimum contract is your traditional point guard or you could insert Alex Caruso into the starting lineup at point guard, which he's capable of playing, but he's not your traditional, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 25 pick and rolls a game guy as a point guard. And then Io DeSumo would be in that mix too, but he's he seems more of a wing than a traditional point guard as well. So you look at that, and I immediately go back to Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, and I think the ball will be in Zach's hands a ton to start this season as we've seen for long stretches last year we knew that Lonzo Ball the one thing is the Bulls structure of their half court offense doesn't have to change a ton because they were not running dozens and dozens of pick and rolls with Lonzo Ball in the half court so they can still run it through Zach and DeMar um, just like before but the problem like you said is that efficiency because Lonzo Ball was so important to spot up shooting in the half court And a lot of people sometimes don't realize how important high-volume three-point shooting is, right? Like, that was one of the big outcries about the Bulls last year. They didn't shoot enough three-pointers. A lot of people can stand in the corner and make one wide-open corner three-pointer a game. But when you ask them to shoot seven, eight three-pointers a night, they're not going to do it at a high percentage. Lonzo Ball did that from everywhere on the court when others created for him. So I think it's going to be a struggle early on. And 
the offense wasn't good enough for the Bulls to compete at as high of a level as they wanted to by the end of last year. You saw the Bucks ignoring them on the three-point line in the playoffs. <laughs> so it's Zach Levine and DeMar still here early, it feels like, and, and you don't have that connector in that transition game that you would hope as well as uh, the Bulls did before sometimes. Boy, that's so dismissive, and that's why I was laughing, Cody. It's so, it's so accurate and so yeah. dismissive. Ah, you know, Bucks just ignored him. All right, we're going to do what we're going to do, and you guys aren't going to be. And, and I think what you described is we're going to see all of that. It's simply a matter of how they start. I, I don't know, and, the, and I assume Billy Donovan's going to finish with whatever's working, and I don't think he's going to know. I think the problem for him and we'll see what kind of coach he is. And we saw it last year in the second half of the year. Can he, does he recognize the game in front of him, the players in front of him, what's working in front of him? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Not really how you start, but how you finish. So if that's the, do you think that'll be the case? And if so, what, what would give Bulls fans reason for optimism that the coach is going to be able to handle this hydra-headed kind of point guard situ- or offensive situation? Well, I think it all comes down to wins, right? That the Bulls are losing. People aren't going to be having confidence in the moves that Billy Donovan <laughs> makes. No matter what he does, it's probably going to be wrong. And if they're winning, he'll get a lot of credit too. And tomorrow will get a lot of credit for carrying them in the fourth quarter, of course, probably. But that gets interesting, right? Because, you know, a decade ago during the, the Tom Thibodeau era, there was never, ever a question like who was going to be on the floor at the end of the game for the Bulls. You know, health yep. mattered, but it wasn't a situation where you ever had a lack of clarity. And this Bulls team, um, you can go a few different ways with that stuff. Um, certainly with Lonzo Ball out, with the emergence of Io DeSumo, with Caruso is clearly one of the best five players that they need on the floor, but you don't want to use him as a traditional starter Uh, If you can, you'd rather keep him around 26, 28 minutes a night, not 33, 34. Because trust me, those eight minutes a game that he's diving on the floor are not good for his health. I don't think they're good for the long-term outlook of the Bulls as well. So you go back to that. I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on, on who you'd start at point guard, but I always go back to I would just start my best five. And I think Alex Caruso would would give me my best five to start games off really well. Now that puts a bigger burden on him. Maybe maybe use Io a little more off the bench. But the question is, I, I, I really think I would go Caruso or Goran Dragic, but I would lean Caruso. I like Goran Dragic's pickup for the Bulls by way of, you know, a minimum veteran contract. I like that he's a traditional point guard and played well for Slovenia and Eurobasket here in the past month or two. But I, I would be really hesitant to overwork him early considering he is a veteran and he didn't play that much last year for contract reasons before he got traded and such. So that will be, that will be I think, one of the biggest questions at, at Media Day on Monday. So if it's – I understand what you're saying. I, I agree. Go, start with your best, and, and if they're playing well, you're in a – there's a huge advantage to starting Caruso less for the traditional point guard and pick-and-roll stuff, as you said. But what you're missing if, when Caruso and, and Ball, and as particularly both of them, when neither of them is on the floor, you're losing the, 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 the steals, the turnovers, yeah. the open court baskets, the way the offense doesn't have to run. You're not, your offense is not being stressed if Ball sticks his hand in the way and it comes loose and there's Caruso at the other end or there's somebody, DeRozan's running to the other end, somebody's leaking out, Zach's leaking out. 
those are the easy baskets that you could the, the bulls ran up the standings based on that kind of approach and i mean they were so good in transition too yeah. with zach and and damar on the wings and and whoever javante green too when he replaced patrick williams right when he got hurt like javante is he's got a lot of limitations as a basketball player but he is an absolute demon in the transition game when it comes to finishing because he's so athletic and and he runs hard and he's smart too there like that is that is something you just cannot replicate. And like the Bulls were probably, I think, top five-ish in the NBA last year in forcing turnovers early in the season when Lonzo and, and Caruso mm-hmm. were healthy. They finished the year basically in the bottom third of the NBA in forcing turnovers on defense. And that goes back to those injuries they suffered. Lonzo, obviously, the knee injury in the second half of the season. And then Caruso had, what, hamstring, knee. He had the broken wrist from the Grayson Allen cheap foul. Like there, there was a lot of... A lot of soft tissue injuries for, for Caruso at times as well. The back was a problem by the end of the year. So um, you're only going to have, in best case scenario, half of that in the, in the starting lineup with, with Caruso and not having two guys um, kind of raising hell in the backcourt. So this is a team that um, is counting so much. Really, I think you look at two guys in the starting lineup. Like I expect Zach Levine, once he just gets in the rhythm after uh, a more minor knee surgery than Lonzo Ball seems to have had, obviously. I expect him to be himself once he gets a few games under his belt, um, gets fully healthy. DeMar, I don't expect him to play as well as last year, but he'll still be very good. Like Vooch, Nikola Vucevic at center can really become a lot more efficient when you go back to efficiency. And then it's the question of the Patrick Williams jump. So they lose Lonzo Ball for a long stretch. You go, where's the improvement? I'm looking kind of at the four or five spots for the Bulls, I think, as the season opens there. Does Dalen Terry figure in anywhere? I don't think so. Not early. And Stop. He was a first-round draft choice. They brought. They talked big about him. I. They drafted a non-shooter in a shooting league. I don't understand that, but they did that. So, it, and it, Everyone's going to be hyped, too, because, right, like, I owe – outperformed expectations so much being a second round pick, but he had three years of high level big 10 basketball experience under his belt. You know, Dalen Terry here has, has one year from, from Arizona in a much smaller role than IO um, filled for the Illini when he was in college. So that was a high upside draft pick. So I just naturally don't think that he's someone that you're counting on to be a contributor for day one. Can you always be surprised? Sure. But you look at this, I mean, if Zach and DeMar are healthy, they, they have a lot of wing depth there. They still have Kobe White on the roster. And if they're going to be on the roster and they need people to shoot three-pointers, he's going to be out there on the floor shooting three-pointers. Io proved like he's capable of playing 38 minutes in a game if you need him to. He's capable of playing 20 minutes in a game if you need him to. So the Bulls do have some some shooting guard depth. Like they don't have those huge small forwards and, and size depth that you'd want. Like when you look at a team like a championship contender, like the Los Angeles Clippers. But when you're looking at the position Dale and Terry plays, they have some depth there that I think will soak up all the minutes before they really get to him too much. So he'll be interesting to watch, but like he's a minor subplot of the season, not someone I expect to be in the rotation too much. Well, see, here's why I brought him up is because we were, as we discussed the lack of, of, Lonzo and and Caruso's going to get hurt. He always does. And Dale and Terry's reputation is such, at least if not at the NBA level, because he hasn't been there yet, but his reputation and it's seemingly his his tape would show you he could be a disruptor. He might be able to, to poke some balls loose. He might help create some of the transition offense, easy offense, that kind of stuff. So his having a bigger role, if he could do that, would be a major 
a major step for a team that needed that last year and thrived on it last year. And now yeah. you're just you're just urinating all over everything, Cody. Well, I just, I, you just there's there reaches a critical threshold. Like you can't be trotting out Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., and Dale and Terry off the bench at the same time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's just not enough shooting in the half court. That's not enough on ball playmaking. You can have one or two of those guys to create a ruckus back there. Um, but that's why you look at it. And maybe they have injuries, and I'm sure at some point he'll get his chance in the rotation because I don't, I don't think there was a single player in the Bulls roster last year who didn't get a chance in the rotation besides yeah. maybe Marco Simonevich, who, who never seems to get a chance when, when the game's actually in doubt or anything. But it, it's just so many injuries. COVID was still a problem last year, too. Like, that could be a problem this year at times as well. So maybe he gets out there but when you're you're talking about what is it October 19th the the bowl season opener when you're talking about tipping the ball off um, for the first game of the season I, I wouldn't expect him to be in the rotation but you never know you never know with this team they always surprise yeah. you it feels like that's that's true everybody gets a chance soon Cody you'll get a chance I have one last question because it yeah and we may not know until we may, the 19th or maybe not into November but one of the confounding things last year was Vooch's inability to be Vooch from the outside, to, yeah. to be that threat. I don't know if you've heard, if we know if he's done anything this summer that would give you reason to think it's going to be better to get back to the old Vooch. That cures a lot of things. That could deodorize a lot of things that will dog the bulls early. Do you know anything to that end, or are we not going to know until Thanksgiving? I, I don't think we're going to know. I mean, it's not like he had some huge role where he shined an international play this year or anything like that, or we, we saw a turnaround. This is a veteran who took a big dive last year, and when the Bulls traded for him from the Magic that season, he was shooting like around 40% from, from yeah. three-point range. Shot 31% last year on pretty high volume. You know what I mean? Not, not Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball volume, but he shot a lot of three-pointers by the end of the year. Teams left him open out there, so... Him just getting back to league average, which, you know, is probably, what, 35 36%, something in that range, would be huge for the Bulls because they got to have everyone try to replace some of that, that Lonzo shooting or affect the games in different ways. And I don't think that they're going to throw the ball to Vooch on the block 22 times a game to affect the game. So it's going to be that pick-and-pop game um, with this three-point shooting. And... And you're looking at, you know, you paid Zach Levine $215 million to take the next step again um, as an all-around basketball player. But if yeah. you want to start offensively, he can become even better and more efficient. That would be very helpful. I know we always talk about he has to get better defense, but when, when your offense wasn't as efficient as you wanted either, that's the guy who can take the next step there. So um, I, I know it sounds... I mean, a little repetitive, but they really do need, or cliche, everyone to, to kind of help um, with this improvement, and you can pick any of them out and, and make a case for it. Well, we just did, and I'm sure we will, we will again. Cody, thanks yeah. for joining me today. Thanks for taking time on a Saturday. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you have a good rest of the show. You, thank you. That's Cody Westerland talking bulls. You don't know what you're going to get. I, I am optimistic just because there's there are different ways to to do this thing, and and the. What the Bulls did last year before injuries to the two key guys, to Caruso and Ball, and Ball's not healthy and Ball's not going to be there. They were doing it at – they were so much fun. They were terrific. They were exciting. And then it became 
DeMar DeRozan and it began and Zach got hurt and which couldn't shoot and it became a very constipated thing and I fear that same constipation I don't know what NBA Metamucil is going to look like but I'm keep looking for it in my conversations with Cody so thank you for joining me on that we will we will see what a linebacker thinks of the Bears linebacker who is was he is he heavy and is he slower than he should be and we'll see what a former Super Bowl winner thinks of the quarterback from Ohio State drafted by Ryan Pace I'm Steve Rosenblum. We'll talk Bears football next with Jim Schwantz. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.